Brand new podcast, everybody, and you know for a fact how excited I am about this podcast. This was uh, the podcast I've wanted to do the whole whole time I had a podcast. This is the one I wanted to do, and I and I anticipated it was going to be tough because you know I've listened to every to everything it tells on I listened to, and he notoriously doesn't really talk about comedy, doesn't like get into the the breakdown of it or or. But man, this is fucking good because uh, Tommy Buns came over late because he had to stop by a drive-through and get something to eat on the way here twice. I'm kidding. I don't know why he was late, but he was late. Attell came out to the front yard. We were smoking a cigarette. He was smoking a cigarette. He smoked throughout the entire podcast. The video's up on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, I'm putting up new content. I'm shooting new content. I'm going to be shooting content on the road and putting it up on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you guys get your content. I'm going to try to put up one-minute videos for my Instagram. My Instagram, I'm trying to put up stuff all the time to promote shows. Um, so you can, f- whatever, you know what, just, just enjoy it, dude. Free content. That's what I'm about. And I appreciate that you guys always thank me for it because uh, I enjoy doing it. So I just enjoy doing it. Tour dates, San Francisco this weekend, June 9th and 10th. I'm in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club. Sacramento, the 11th. Both those shows are sold out. Um, Kansas City Improv the following week, the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Followed by Orlando, 22, 23, 24. And then Skanks Fest in New York City on the 25th. And then I'm sticking around on the 26th, 27th, 28th. Flying the 29th to Omaha, where I'm doing a call-in sick-to-work show, Omaha. Todd and Tyler, I'll be hitting up Todd and Tyler early in the morning, drinking hard, and then going to the club and doing a show at noon. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to see if we can get Larry the Cable Guy to come out with me. Uh, The next day, I have Oklahoma at the Calusa Casino, Cherokee, Cherokee Casino, West Sickleham. I can't can't read, Leanne. I'm having a hard time reading. Will you go sit by the other mic, please? Um. Columbus Funny Bone the following week, Pittsburgh, Cleveland at Hilarities at the end of July, Tampa. I'm in, in Tampa. I'm just in Tampa, so you'll hear me on Cowhead Show. I'm in Tampa uh, just hanging out first week of August. Houston, Brea, Phoenix, uh, Australia. I'm hitting Singapore on the 9th, Perth on the 11th, Sydney on the 13th, Melbourne on the 14th. Sydney again on the 16th, and then Brisbane on the 18th. Listen, Australian uh, podcast listeners, I have never been to Australia. I am begging you. Just spread the word. Introduce your friends to the podcast. Introduce your friends to the machine video. Share the machine video with them and say, hey, the machine's coming to Australia. Oh, I just ripped that far. Did you hear that, Leanne? And uh, so that's, that's that. Then D.C. the following week, Tacoma, Edmonton, Chicago. I'm missing a date. Oh, oh, you know what it is? It's not I'm missing a date. I'm just not to... Wait, did I miss August? Oh, yeah. Denver. Uh, both shows Sunday I'm on the 27th of August have sold out, so we are adding a Monday show. Um, Comedy Works. That's where David Tell recorded Skanks for the Memories, and we talk about that. We talk about a lot on this podcast. You know, you know what I'm going to talk about. M- my favorite thing that has been brought to me by this podcast... Blue Apron. I love Blue Apron. We made a Blue Apron last night. Meatball subs. My daughters have have never had a meatball sub in their life. My wife has never had a meatball sub in her life. And she made four of the most amazing meatball subs that I had ever had. And it was so simple, so quick, 
Every meal you get is going to be under 10 bucks. The food is sustainable. That's that's what I love about Blue Apron. By the way, I, we were in Hawaii. We went to do this dolphin uh, encounter, and the woman talked about the seafood in sourced in sustainably standards developed in the partnership of the Monterey, Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. I brought it up to her, and she started laughing. She said, how do you know about that? I said, well, it's because we eat Blue Apron. The beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly farm-raised animals. Produce is sourced from farms of practice, regenerative farming. Blue Apron is fantastic. I, I, they, they say the family cooks together uh, and eats together, stays strong together, and that is the truth. Cooking together for our family has been um, unifying entirely. We get together every night. We have dinner. We enjoy conversation. The girls try new things every week. I mean, we're eating, what, three Blue Aprons a week? Two a week. Two a week? It's two, two meals a week, and they're just really good. I've been so I can't, I've said this so many times I feel like a broken record, but I do too. And and I know people know that we love this mm-hmm. product. And this we're not bullshitting. I'm no. being dead serious. I fucking love Blue Apron. The food is fantastic. And Leanne's kept all the recipes they've given us, so we could go out and recreate the recipes. The problem is, it's not going to stay as cheap as what Blue Apron sends you. They send you farm fresh food. Everything's under ten dollars per person. It's locally sourced. Locally sourced. You know, I really, I hate the nights I don't have a blue apron. I don't have one tonight because our shipment hasn't come yet, and I am at a loss. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to have to figure it out. With blue apron, you don't have to. You just open the fridge, pull out the ingredients on the card, and cook a delicious meal, and it's so brain-free, which is what I love. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is, and they're flexible. If you don't like certain things, you can make the menus according to you, and this is, I mean... Like it's not, it's not a shock that it's, they're this good. They are literally the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Their their mission is to bring people together through cooking, and it, they've achieved achieved it with our family. I really I can't wait. The upcoming things coming uh, that are coming up, the featured meals. What this is going to be a Chrysler. This is going to be the real tester. What is it? Warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling tomatoes, potatoes, and garlic croutons. Ooh la la. You think Isla's going to eat trout? I think, you know, I think she'll try it. You know why? Why? Because every single meal, she says, is this a blue apron? (laughs) And if I say yes, she tries it. If I say no, she wrinkles her nose and is really resistant. So if it's if it's from Blue Apron, I bet you she'd try it. How about the spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice? Uh, bring it. Yeah. Elote-styled vegetable tostados with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. You know what's ridiculous about these, these is that I wouldn't know where to begin, how to begin making this. I won't even know about peach, honey, glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Yum. And you know what's so funny? I didn't know you could season rice. I know that sounds really stupid, yeah. but I had like lime seasoned rice. Lime seasoned. It was so. It was fantastic. Good. And by I the way, you could be, do that. because because of that, I've started because I stay away from rice. I always just get uh, mashed cauliflower or riced cauliflower, and now I'm seasoning cauliflower because they taught us how to season rice. We love Blue Apron, and I want you to enjoy it. I really do. I want you to enjoy this as much as we enjoy it. It is affordable. All you got to do is check out this this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. That's right. I want you to have free 
three free meals with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. Go to blueapron.com slash BurtCast to get your first three free meals with free shipping. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredibly, incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't fucking wait. Don't wait. Blue Apron. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. A better way to live. Better way to eat. A better way to eat. A better way to spend time with your family. So find me on tour, everybody. Let's start this motherfucker. We got a. Uh, I got a bunch of good podcasts. I've got a bunch of live podcasts. My SiriusXM show. Uh, I will be airing that. That is a live podcast I did with Nate Bargatze and Sean Patton. Um, I did another one with Mark Normand. Uh, I did one at the. At the uh, I did. A, I've done a bunch of live ones. Now and so I just got to. I'm gonna have. I think I'm gonna have a live week, and I'm also thinking about podcasting every single day while I'm in Singapore, Perth, posting a podcast every single day to kind of keep up with you. I got a lot of big plans. I'm, I'm not screwing around. I'm taking things to the next level for the B man. Um, all right, you guys ready to start the podcast? Uh, if you don't know who this person that I'm about to introduce is, uh, I implore you to go get Skanks for the Memories. It is the best comedy album I've ever heard in my entire life. It has defined the way I started doing stand-up. It is, it is the way I would solve stand-up when I didn't know how to do stand-up. I'd go, what? I tell him this. I go, what would a tell do? Um, he's a guy that he defined uh, our our inner dialogue within our family, like our our shorthand that we have. With each other, me and my wife. We love this album together. I've worked with them one time. I worked with them right when Georgia was born. And I literally, we induced labor. So I didn't miss this date with this guy. That's how much I love this guy. He is my favorite comic to watch live. I watched him in Vegas. And I've never laughed so fucking hard. I, I really hadn't. Him and Bill Burr, the two guys that got me. That got me, sucker punched me into laughing. And the guy that's with us is uh, is my buddy, Tommy Segura. He's on tour. I'm sure he's doing theaters. Go to TomScrew.com. Um, check out his podcast, Your Mom's House. His wife's funnier than he is. That's why I think it's a cheat. If my wife was at all funny, I would be so much bigger than I am. But she is a snooze. Um, so that's the podcast today, guys. I, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, hit, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. And uh, find all my social media stuff. And catch me on the road. Today's podcast, it is with great pleasure and an honor I present to you, David Tell. And Tom Segura. This is I was I was hesitant. I didn't even want to really buy a house, to be honest with you. We lived in a great apartment. Oh, we kids, uh, you need they need space. Yeah. Hello. Make sure mine's on. You talking yours, Dave? Check. Check two. Yeah, you're check. fine. Yep, perfect. Um, two up. We had a really great apartment. Checking. In, oh. In uh, we're over that in part. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was like 20-foot ceilings, just uh, like a big loft, and uh, and, my, and it was free. My wife was uh, was the office manager, but she wanted to buy a house. And I didn't want to live in the valley. We were like real close to the improv. It was just yeah. – everything was perfect. No, I like it because you, you can't really have an apartment. Living in apartments is good, but you could never have your own chicken coop. No. Maybe on the roof, but that would be pigeons. Uh, I think we got those because of Rogan. Because my we went out to Rogan's house one day, and he has like I think he has like twelve chickens. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And uh, But he has wife. all those dogs, too. Yeah. Big dogs. That's you, a lot of temptation. Did you ever do the podcast when you went out to his house? Yeah, I was very... I love his house. Yeah, it's great, right? It's beautiful. Do you ever... Do, where do you live? I live in New York. Do you live in Queens, though? Or in the city? No, I'm from Queens. You're from Queens, but... I live um, I live in Manhattan. In Manhattan? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about, like, you know, I'm an old guy, so <laughs> I come out here, and all my friends who've made it, their house is, like, incredible. Yeah. And for the amount of money you can get, like, a okay apartment in manhattan you can get like a huge house out here so you know it's just not right yeah <laughs> that uh you there i, I always wonder like a uh, big j was saying he went to amy schumer's house and he she he's beautiful the, house i've been there oh is it yeah. the one where it turns from inside to outside almost yes it's like um it's a penthouse and yeah. you can't do any better than penthouse who's and, the who's in the group of you when you started who was in your class whoa was that the ease in getting to know me part yeah okay <laughs> All right. Well, no, I think I immediately thought Big J and Amy uh-huh. are roughly the same class. Oh, me? No, like, um, uh, let's see, I've been doing comedy since 80, 88, something like that, um, since I was like 22, and I'm 52, so 30 years. Uh, I guess the class of comics would be uh, like Mark Marin and, um, you know, Louie, uh, Louis, Nick DiPaolo, all those guys. Um, those were the guys that, like, you know, w- you know, like we would all be doing, like, uh, city spots at the cellar. But Kevin Brennan really is, like, the guy that I started out with. So, yeah. And Kevin is, um, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, probably one of the best unknown comics out there. That's what I think. He was the first person I, my, my uncle had gone to high school with him. Oh. And so when I moved to New York, he was, my uncle was like, find Kevin Brennan. Really? And he's like, he'll, he'll show you the ropes. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess your uncle didn't know Kevin, but that was. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I ran, I ran into him at the cellar one night. I went to the cellar to watch stand up and he was there and he, he made fun of me on stage. And then the first night I talked to him, I went up to him. I was like, it was at the night catch a rising star was, uh, Closing? Closing. Oh, that was sad. That was a great place. I never I only went there for that one party. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good time to go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, Kevin and I, we, you know, the open mics in New York and uh, coming up through the club system. And then, um, like, how long did you live in New York? I want to say like three years, maybe. Three years. It usually takes about four. <laughs> i'd say four or four and a half depending on who you are but uh <laughs> yeah no so you you know how it is there i yeah. mean like you know it's it's kind of a um there definitely are a lot more comics uh than when i started i hate to be the old guy but um uh this would be a better story if i was holding a chicken <laughs> am i right rooster yes but uh uh, out here, it blows me away how many comics there are. There must be like 10,000 comics. There's here, a ridiculous right? amount of comics. Can I tell you the things that I think have changed really drastically? Do you think 10,000? I think maybe more. I'd say like I think counting San Diego and Sac Town, maybe 100,000 comics. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. I, I, when, I, when I started doing stand-up, I felt like there was uh, 30 comedians. Yeah. And, and, that, and, that, and there were different groups. There were the guys that did The Cellar. There right. were the guys that did... Uh, 
that did the Boston. It's kind of right. the same group a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Jay Moore also was uh, definitely uh, – I'm sorry, I forgot. But uh, Jay also was like, you know, in the beginning days, like when you talk about Boston Comedy Club, yeah. you know, those guys. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. I'm Dave sorry. And, uh, Jay and Dave Chappelle, that whole – Yeah, absolutely. Dave just coming up. And uh, Jay, who I also shared an office with at SNL, a really good buddy of mine. Uh, you know, that's the thing is like, uh, you know – a lot of these guys were super talented and, you know, we got a lot of stage time. And that was the whole thing of like I started before the comedy boom of today, you know, like way before that. And I was kind of on the 80s bottom, uh, you know, end of comedy kind of thing. Yeah. And like you would see all these guys go up there. And I would say this on pretty much every podcast is that there's a lot of guys who would just go up there and kind of almost like – autopilot a set and it was always like you know the sweater comic guy or like you know the guy who would do the guitar those kind of people and like uh you know i i said to myself because i was working the door at the improv with kevin brennan and uh you know i was like if i ever get this kind of stage time i'm never gonna like just do it like that you know i'm gonna like you know try and do something new at least every time and like it really bothered me when i would see these guys they get up it was like almost like a kabuki dance theater thing you know they just get up there and like turn off you know they're like half in the bag anyhow so you know and now I, i think there's like tons of um there's tons of comedy, you know, like just every type, every kind of flavor in the rainbow. You it's know? changed. I think podcasting changed it a lot. I, but I agree with that. I think there's a lot of guys that do it. Um, I, I whatever a reason to do it. I, I don't think they do it for like comedy. I, I think they do. Right. They don't do it to do another special. They do it to get like into movies or which yeah. is completely fine. I don't. I mean, I'm not judging why, but it's always it's always uh, weird to see who does. Who, who, um, like, that's all I do. I'm a comic. Like, yeah. I'm pretty, I'd say I'm pretty good to good in terms of, like, after all this time, like, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a great comic, but I would say that there are great comics out there. But definitely you need that other thing, whether it's a movie or a TV show, to actually I connect with an audience outside of the podcasting, which, you know, I know you have a super cool following. So, you know, that's, uh, I guess that's part of it now where you got to connect with them outside of the club, you know, outside of the stage. I think that podcasting has also changed the dialogue with comedy but but one of the things that blew me away when i was because starting in new york everyone bombed yeah that's true and and then when i came out here no one bombed really yeah i remember going up at the going to the uh to the uh laugh factory and being like watching dane and going so he never bombs like he just always murders because the guys i liked always there was it was a roll of the dice right no, Dane always killed, like, in New York, too, when I would see him, he always killed. And super huge, like, definitely, like, the, the, the guys who, like, were crushing it on the college circuit, because there used to be this college circuit, which I guess there is now, but I can only imagine what they let you talk about and don't talk about, and, you know, well, it's got to be like... internet kids do college circuits now. Okay, but back then that was like, you know, you know, hey, man, you can make, a, you can make some big money doing colleges, you know, yeah. that was great. But, uh, you know, these guys who, like, I guess could really crush at a college, they had that performance down, you know. So, like, a lot of energy, a lot of connection to this audience, you know. And that was, like, a super cool skill when you saw it, you know, in different venues because you're, like, sometimes, like, in a club. Like, why is this guy jumping around? You realize, like, he's used to performing in a basketball court, you know, somewhere in a, like, community college. And uh, there was definitely a couple of guys like that. Another guy who, um, you know, I always am drawn to the joke writers because I like to, you know, I love the jokes. I've heard you say that a 
you said that in the green room the other day. You're like, I don't like storytellers. I like joke writers. <laughs> yeah, no, and like there's there's all there, I'm not a good storyteller, and I'm definitely uh, like you know I'm an old hack, but I love a joke, and I love like that. There, even though jokes are kind of like out right now, it's all about like passion and truth, and you know all this political stuff. It's like the joke in my mind always like I just love it. I just love a new joke. I love a I like a dirty. I like a clean. And there's like uh, the, you know it's almost like a dying art form. This joke writing thing. You know, it's yep. like uh, every every it's like. I don't know what the audience, uh, you know, they're like great listeners, but, uh, you know, I would love to see them like, you know, like kind of kick it up for the jokes, you know? Yeah, it's... Uh, what do you think about that? I was talking to Stanhope about it. You, I, well, I, can we talk about Doug for like two minutes? Because we talk about him outside. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, when you talk about like real comics, like Doug is probably, I think of him as like, you know, the uh, last of the Mohegan. Like he's the real comic, you know, he has, he has no... Um, he, he he never pulls back. He totally uh, he he does it. He does it the way it should be done, which is just like he fucking lays it all out there. And uh, you know, I always look to him as like whenever I think I'm doing something hacky, I'll call him and I go like, "Do you think this is hack? You know, what do you think?" Because he really, I think, is like my um, rudder. You know. Yeah. But I'm so like on the other side. I mean, like I'm like totally. Uh, APM TV land compared to Doug. Now, I mean, like he's, he really is. He's really. I, I mean, I. My wife has said this, and I mean, I think it's a reason Doug and I are friends is uh, sometimes when I'm – because, you know, you don't get a lot of friendships out on the road. You just tour. Looks like someone needs a hug. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did this weekend. <laughs> I could have used a hug in a car ride yesterday. <laughs> but A lot of – a lot of. Uh, well, that's the cool thing. Like, we did the Crapshoot Comedy Festival, and, like, tip of the hat to the people, Paul, and all those guys who put that together. Because, like, a festival in Vegas, it's it's like, you know, that's a difficult thing. I mean, there's so many other distractions and things to do. And, like, uh, to do a comedy festival there, I think, is a great idea. So how I was you, glad – uh, How did you meet Doug? I'm sorry. How did I meet him? Yeah. Oh, I met him in Montreal, like – um, I met him in Montreal like like a hundred years ago, and uh, that was when Montreal was really. Segura's calling. I think he's out front. Oh, cool. Hey, you out front. We can bring him in as a special guest. Just come around the side. Open the side gate. You can reach over and hang a left at the un- chicken coop. You're gonna yeah, see the, the treehouse. Keep going. Then there's a lemon tree. <laughs> Pick a lemon and make a wish. I wanted <laughs> Tom to be here because I, he is he is the. I've worked with Tom a bunch of times. He's, he's super the last, strong. Last like real comic. He, I, I don't think he's ever been on TV. Ever? Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Ever. Wow. All he does is tell jokes and do specials. Wow. And I when we were talking about well, that, don't you consider doing a special being on TV? No, because they're he's they've never been on TV. They're on Netflix. Oh, really? <laughs> but hey, Tom. Buns. Hey, well, he was just giving you the ultimate praise and yet also belittling your work. Yeah. I think Netflix is TV, don't you? Yeah, it's TV now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Are you going to do the standing or? Oh. Am I going to what? I thought uh, you would stand. I was standing over you, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're talking about Stan Hope. You know what we're going to call this podcast? Three beards. <laughs> Three you know, beards. We grew beards because of you. What's that? We grew beards because of you. Cool. Well, at least blink when you say it. Are you going to bring an intensity that kind of kills all fun in the room? Because I love that new podcast. Let's get to the heart of it. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Three Confederate generals sitting. (laughs) Well, go ahead, Longstreet. What do you think? Dave told a joke this weekend that I've been telling everybody. Tell it on stage. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Make sure I can't tell it again. Do you know how much I used to... (laughs) Fan it up to the point where we see it in um, Two and a Half Men, if it comes back. (laughs) Go ahead. But, uh... 
I told it to, I told it to stand up. I told it to my wife, and Leanne's the one that like if if you can get Leanne to laugh, she doesn't listen, yeah. and she started howling laughing. It was your joke about owls. Okay, that's enough said. That's enough. Hey, you know what the thing is? This is what I was thinking. <laughs> um, now, you have how many kids? Do you have two, two. Tom, how many do you one. have? One kid. Okay. Now, if I did a show where like the sons and daughters of comics. Um, you know, like they, they live in a house, like kind of like a reality show. Yeah. I'm not in the house, so relax. Yeah. But they're all, they, they're like the sons and daughters, because, you know, everybody talks about their kids now in the act, so we'll have like therapists in there to like deal with yeah. all the damage you're doing them, to them. But um, they, uh, it's all the kids, like, you know, like uh, uh, Ben Stiller's kids, all these like the, the daughters and sons of comedy, um, you know, even like, you know, the legendary like uh, Rain uh, Pryor, Rain Pryor and uh, George Carlin's daughter. They're all in there. Now, then we have a big show at the end of the season. But your kids get bumped by the more famous kids. Is that OK? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn it. But your kids also have to go on little kid road gigs <laughs> to pay for their little kid problems. How magical was like. Because I'm having panic about uh, my kids, about my kids growing up, and he goes, "Oh, we need to do a tour where we get in Winnebago's and we take our kids on the road." I think that's a great idea. Yeah, (laughs) I really do. (laughs) I like your Army Ranger boots. Thank you. Well, I'm actually here to fumigate the yard, so (laughs) you've got a serious uh, (laughs) septic tank leak. I was hoping Dave would show up in shorts. Yeah, shorts? no, no, I, I, I'm not into that. You don't have- it's not about a grown man wearing shorts during the day. I mean, maybe like once a year you're allowed to do it on vacation, but I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. I know out here it's almost like if you're wearing pants, you know, you're not from this country. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a sanctuary city, correct or not? But uh, let's talk about it. Guys, here we are. How come you weren't at the Crapshoot Comedy Fest? I, I didn't get invited. You didn't? No. I thought maybe you were at the Whip It Out uh, <laughs> Wisconsin uh, throw. Down. I, I would have. I would have gotten it either. Yeah. It was, was it fun? It was really fun watching Dave. Might have been the hardest. All of us comics laughed. I mean, well, every. Can comic- I say one thing about Brad Williams? He yeah. is really. Uh, I love. I love working with him. And like, if I was a bigger comic and I could bring like you know headliners on tour with me, yeah, I would definitely bring him out with me because really? we have a good time That's and like. Cool. Uh, you know that's the fun of it, but I don't do theaters. Do you guys do any theater work? Theaters, I do some. No, How do you like it? It's totally different, man. I mean, I like it. I like it when they're all there. If they're all there to see you, you're just like sure enjoying the uh, the adulation of it. It's still fun, but I I did go back and forth. I just did like four months of heavy heavy touring. And yeah, I would, I would book clubs in between theater sure. gigs. It was it was a totally different experience. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I liked it though. And uh, you know, I you think did a lot of theater. You've done a lot of theater. Before. No, no, I was never a really good theater act. That's the problem. I, I was think like, it's because you're just like Mister, you know, club act. Like because you thrive. In well, that I do wear the jacket that says Mister Club Act, so it would look <laughs> stupid in the theater. <laughs> you are the quintessential you club are, comic, though. though. I don't know about that. I'd say Bobby Slayton, or um, no. there's a couple of guys who like really are like you know hardcore, you know, like just full tilt, you know. Edge comedy club acts, and uh, those are the guys that like when you talk about like you know because I'm like so much older than you guys, but the uh, those are the guys that like you know you have to like you know work with and deal with and like have to follow those guys. It was intimidating, you know. Well, should we especially? Them? Um, I would. I would. I think. I think it was like a lot different than like 
you know, you guys can do a lot more um, recon, like with the web and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like when you see them for the first time, like you've never met them. Yeah. And then you see them like just like destroy a room and you're like, uh oh, I got to go on after that guy yeah. or, you know, whatever I have to do there. It's like like Richard Jenny, I think, was uh, was a name that doesn't get enough attention. And I've I said this right. before is that he was a theater act. He was a power act. And like even though a lot of his stuff, I guess you could say, would be. Um, you know, today would be kind of like quaint or charming. It still was really well written and like nobody could like do a chunk of material like for like 15 minutes on like, you know, whatever. One topic too. Like, right, yeah, yeah, like every angle. And I watched him because I was like a writer on the Caroline's Comedy Hour. So I would watch him do stuff and like we talk, you know, and like he really kind of taught me like just about like, uh, you know, don't leave jokes on the table. Try and get as much out of a bit as you can, you know, yeah. especially uh Especially, you know, back then where it's like, you know, laughs were key. Now now I think that you can, you know, um, kind of like storytell your way out of it or, you know, whatever, yeah, you know, funny. blink or pause or sigh, whatever yeah. those things yeah. are considered now yeah. as jokes. I worked with Richard Jenny uh, right, right uh, days after 9-11. Yeah. And he... Uh, oh, you got that gig? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had all these jokes, and then, like all about 9-11, and then I ran into him. Like two years later, and I was quoting some of those jokes that I, you know, one of the ones that stick in your head. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, I totally forgot about those. I should bring those back. They weren't half bad." I was like, "That would be in my act forever." Yeah, of course. These guys were before the web, and also before like like Netflix is awesome because now people don't they can they can kind of discover a guy, yeah. you know, or a lady, uh, like you know when they when they feel like this, when they feel like doing it. And like back then, it was like you know you either saw it on A and E or whatever. And you didn't see it, or you, uh, you know, it, it was a lot harder to, I think, build momentum as a uh, just a comic. You know, I didn't know I didn't know that you could do when I started in New York. I didn't know that there was the idea of doing the road. I didn't know that you. That's I didn't a good know point. Guys like you would do the road. I really didn't headline until like seven years in. I was I was like I considered myself like an open mic comic for like five years. You Did know? you really? Yeah, because like even though I was doing like seller spots and like. Uh, the uh, you know like uh, Catch a Rising Star, all those different places, um, stand up New York. I still like was doing like whenever I could get stage time, you know. And that's when that's when um, that's when I, I really felt like uh, you know I was in this like four or five set a night mode of every night of four or five sets, and then on the weekend like six or seven you know paid spots. So I considered I was doing more free shows than I was doing paid shows. But then after I finally got like a credit or two and uh, I got out on the road, and to be honest, like I still sucked. I sucked as a as a headliner for sure, and I also didn't really like know what I was doing. So it was like kind of a you know. When do you feel like you knew what you were doing up there? About two weeks ago, (laughs) (laughs) right before the Crapshoot Comedy Festival. (laughs) Is that the stuff you're on stage with Brad at the Crapshoot? Is that the stuff you're working on for your new hour? I, you know, I, I was, I was hoping we could all talk about this because um, I'm definitely do another hour of something, but um, I've been like working on like all this other bullshit that like you know I just throw money at it and like uh, you know like like I'm looking at your house and I'm jealous. I'm like I wish I had a tree house and a chicken coop, but I spent like seventy grand on some weird web thing that I probably will never be seen. But um, I would say that like in 2018, I'd like to do an hour, a new hour for Netflix or something like that. But uh, y- you guys tell me like. Um, Compared to like, compared to like two years ago, do you have people coming up to you going like, "I saw that hour" or like? Oh, right oh, now, yeah. hours. Uh, oh, yeah. Tom, Tom's probably the uh, the brand for that because I think 
all of his fans discovered him on Netflix. All, See, that's a great. Lot, a lot, yeah. That's great. And then through that, discovered him on his podcast. And, and I think Rogan, Rogan's outreach, I think his podcast has been really big. He, he's really, like, his reach is so wide that we get, like, you know, uh, whatever, trickle-down effect from... From, from Joe, yeah. From well, Joe. Joe, Joe is unique all the way around, both yeah. on and off stage. And like, uh, you know, what he does on his podcast is pretty intense and amazing. And the way he does connect, because when I meet somebody who says, "Hey, I heard you on Joe's podcast," it's like I know that person is a comedy fan. Yeah. They know a lot about comedy. That's you know? right. Yeah, so, they do. There you go. Did I remember? You know, you were my. I was my first feature week ever at Brea. Yeah, there you go. Brea remember, Improv, the proving grounds, as they call it. The uh, the tough love. I did a second week with him like a year later. Yeah. And I, and I did one joke from the year before. And he goes, what, do you want to be an actor or something? And I was like, what? And he goes, it's, 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 a, it's been a year. You can't write 20 new minutes? I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was but after was, a lot of drunken babbling at yeah, me. But I, mean, <laughs> I like how you have, have told this story like a chick. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I know now you slam Bray a hardcore. In fact, um, <laughs> You get top bids at the stone uh, stone ice cream parlor across the street. That's the saddest part of that club when you're like, I didn't sell out, but I look across the street and there's a line around the block for ice cream because <laughs> comedy will never beat ice cream. <laughs> do you I, do you remember uh, working with me in Miami uh, years My ago? My daughter had just been born. I just on last comic standing, Coconut Grove, right? Coconut Grove, yeah. And you were sick, and the whole weekend you were like, uh, I know, I know. Well, we'll definitely have a drink. We'll definitely party one night but I promise and then Sunday night you're like alright here we go it was nuts yeah and it was insane but that, that very first show I like my biggest goal was like you're the first comic that I watched where I understood I was like oh wait what not to do no, say no. it say <laughs> we used it. to go me and Dimitri Martin used to go down at 11.35 you always did the 11.35 or 11.10 spot sure. at the cellar and we'd go watch you every single night and uh <laughs> <laughs> and then that I worked with you and I was like, I just want Attell to be like, hey, great set, man. Yeah, and yeah. so I go up, I do my, do we, I, you, I think you did two shows on Thursday and two shows on Friday. Wow, that was a long time ago. I can, luckily, if I can do one show on Thursday now. And uh, I did the same act Thursday, both shows, and I, I did really well. And then Friday, early show, I do it again and I get off stage and you're like, oh. Are you going to write a joke? Holy shit. <laughs> and you're like, I get it. You can kill. How about telling some jokes? You sure said that? Um, here's the point of it. Here's the point of it. When you're middling, you don't have to close the show, so why not experiment? But evidently, you guys don't feel that way. But that's okay. <laughs> to be upset years later for being a coward is great. Now, I think even Dimitri would have turned the page, literally, since he draws, and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to try a different etching here. Maybe a shade or hue. I, will, I, I took that I love the podcast because it's all remembrances, like we were in a war, but we weren't. We weren't. You might be talking to literally your two biggest fans in comedy. It's uncomfortable. Hold on, that chicken is saying something to me. <laughs> No, well, thanks, guys. Are you comfortable with that? With like with yeah. the chickens? With no, with it's like we're in the Virgin Islands or something. I like it like we're money you, launderers you are or something. Aware of it, right? I feel like you kind of pick it up a little bit. No, I, I I really do think that like I'm a utility guy, utility player in the comedy know, world. You know, I don't really believe that I have um have a I, I like I consider us all in the same like we're yeah, we're I like we're all in the same boat but basically. You know how much like like you're and written on the boat is a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel that like.
like there's the better and the and the great comics and that they you know it's like respect works both ways up and down but like i i am more connected to you guys especially since now that you're like you're on the road you got a following you know the the good and bad of like uh of doing these gigs on the road you know of course we can talk about for hours but the beauty of it is is that like you know you have the freedom to like work on a new hour and yeah. all these different things and uh you know, every time I always think of like, you know, I can't believe I'm still on the road and all that kind of stuff. I think of like my friends who are on like a dumb sitcom or like, you know, like they're, uh, you know, waiting to hear on a movie. And I'm like, I wouldn't want to live that life. That's right. not my life. And any movie thing I've ever done outside of Amy's and like one or two other things, I was like, you know, this is like 12 hours sitting around to say three lines. It's like, you know, dude, Terrible. it's not my thing. You know? I think I probably would have liked, I think they're, they don't do them anymore, but I would have liked four camera sitcoms because it has a live feel for camera what is that what <laughs> so you would see the see the see the audience also yeah 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 <laughs> but uh but yeah now i i just i like i just want to do stand-up like i'm i i don't want to do television anymore i just want to do my podcast on the road well now that's how show business works that means someone's going to make you going to want you to do tv because that's always yeah. how it works yeah. you know but uh, I would say at this point for me, like if I can get a new hour and I can keep banging out new jokes, then I'm pretty happy with my my you know place in in the in the world of comedy and my audience, the core the core audience. Even though they they found me through a TV show, the Insomniac show, yeah. and I wouldn't say that like uh, you know like I don't know. People ask me more about that than like my hours and you know jokes and stuff like that. But there are enough hardcore fans of just comedy that like it does make you feel like hey, you know what? It's 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 cool. Like yeah. people do yeah. dig comedy, and I'm sure you get that too. Oh yeah, I mean, you know? it, it, I mean it, from the podcast too. Like the uh, the fans, like even of this show, are are comedy fans. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They get like I, they I they'll tap out on podcasts that don't have comics. Like that they respect because you tried this with scientists at one I've point. <laughs> tried it with a lot of different things that it's not worked. Yeah. <laughs> like I did that tour. This is another thing that people now are like coming up to me, and I don't get I don't get how they even saw the tour. But the one I did with Mitch Hedberg and Louis Black, which was like when you talk about a theater tour, oh, yeah. that was a cool tour. Because uh, first that of all, poster's still up at Cobb's or something. Yeah, because yeah. Mitch, who uh, you know, like you talk about great comics and also like icons. I think he has influenced a whole generation of comedy. Oh. Beyond, like, especially in L.A. and, like, more the the alt world, even though he was not an alt comic, you can see this heavy influence of what yeah. he he yeah. did. Yeah. And, like, Geraldo, who was another guy, and actually, you know, Geraldo and Gaffigan, and these were guys who were, like, probably a class younger than me, but they also were powerful acts. So you see how, like, those guys, you know, like, even though Geraldo, who I think would be... Uh, unstoppable if he had been here and he Hedberg right now yeah like he really would have been un- especially oh. with the topical stuff oh my god super smart yeah he could do the political stuff he could do a dick joke he could do everything uh, that he really would be like a, a household name you know yeah. but did you ever have a night where you Geraldo and Hedberg were all partying together oh absolutely yeah see that like I'm Kurt- special guest Doug Stanhope yeah I, I, <laughs> it's one of my things like I always hammer Doug for like you know like what was it like you know like because Lynn was out at uh, Bisbee with us this weekend. Yeah, Lynn. And I was like, what was it like being around Mitch? Was it? And he was like, he was just a comic. He was like, right. There's a real flippancy to like, like for me, I, I, to be sitting in a room with you, Mitch, and and uh, and Greg, I'd be like fucking floored. But I'm sure it's just comics the same way that we would talk like this. There was no real. 
Well, the cool thing about now, like especially with these festivals and stuff like that, where you get to like hang with other comics, except being on the road alone and all that kind of stuff, is that like you know we do we do like um, you know it's probably not the same in music because that's super competitive and it's definitely not the same in acting. But like we do like like to hang out with each other. Yeah. I mean, like we really do. You know, because we're all damaged, broken toys, whatever you want to call it. But we do kind of work best when we're with each other. So yeah. that is the fun of it. And uh, back in the day, if you'll say it, I mean, like, you know, Hedberg was one of the first guys who said, you know, I'm going to go and uh, do theater tours. I'm just going to set them up on my own. And I was thinking of, like, who else does that, you know? Yeah. And I remember in Atlanta where, um, you know, I had to do a spot for that Insomniac show because I started doing – and I went on in front of his audience and I realized I was like – wow this is mitch's audience like they all had a look they all definitely didn't know what i was saying they were into mitch world yeah and i was like that's the first time i ever saw like an audience for one person you know and i was like that's really cool that he did that all just through comedy central through um you know just being great you know and uh nowadays like when we talk about YouTube sensations, there's like a ton of these guys where like you'll hear it, like you'll be there at a club a week later and you'll be like, Who is here? Well this guy dresses up as a dinosaur and he you know, he comes out and he, you know, does a birthday wish and you know, you're like, How'd it go? It's like, I don't know, eighty bucks a ticket, uh he, he sold, sold out. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, they told me I did a club where uh, they said, Oh, do you know so and so? I said, Who the fuck is that? And they're like, It's these two guys and they play video games on stage. Oh, yeah. Are they, oh, wait, are, like, they, are they black? Uh, I don't, they didn't mention that. But, <laughs> but, but they said that, like, they're like it was, like, all 16-year-old boys in here. Really? Like, packed. And they're just screaming, like, they're, they would pick teams. Like, you're on Burt team, and then you just, they would go crazy. And they would just talk as they're playing, like, oh, fuck him on this. And then. Oh, that's the really that big thing right out. now. It's called Twitcher. And these kids go on and play video games and get paid to play video games. Yeah. Because people watch them because they talk as they play video games. Wow. Yeah, no, comedy really is almost kind of like a renaissance fair skill compared to some of this new stuff that you can do. You know? Yeah. Really, yeah. it's like, it's almost like you're, um, you know, like a blacksmith. Well, uh, I, I say to people now, they're like, what advice do you have to a young comic? I go, are you interested in starting a production company? Because that's what comedy is. you got to know Photoshop. Yeah. you got to be able to yeah, post a podcast, you shoot your own videos, put them on Instagram. Yeah, but there's plenty of like new guys, even though I don't get to – I'm not like – you know, I, I don't watch as much comedy as I should, and I don't listen to even my tapes as much as I should. But there definitely are a lot of new people out there who are doing, who are doing. I guess you could say both the old school style of like jokes and like you know, the room, and then like new stuff. Like uh, what's his name? Um, shit, uh, uh, Doug's buddy who uh, opens for him, Junior. Junior. Like I had him on that Comedy Underground show on Comedy Central, and I was like, man, he is so different and funny, and his stuff is dark. And, like, it's so cool. It's cool to see. And, like, uh, the good thing about, like, showcases is that, like, you get to see everybody for, like, 15, yeah. Nate Pargazzi is fucking hilarious. Nate is awesome. Nate yeah. Pargazzi and... Uh, and Let's Mark talk about Roman. clean comedy for a while because there's a guys out there who, like, you know, when people, like, beat up on the dirty, they go, like, sure. you know, blah, blah, blah. Why do you have to? I go, well, you know what? There's, like, a hundred great clean comics sure. out there. Why don't you go see them? Honestly, you and should go see them. Like Nick Griffin is yeah. awesome. Oh, he's fucking you know? amazing. Uh, like I can I can name like all night just these people who are just great to see who are just dead strong joke writers and uh, Jonigan. He's an amazing Tommy Jonigan. There you go, yeah. Tommy Jonigan. Yeah. And then there's the new joke guys like Sam Morell and uh, Mark Norman just did a special. These guys like you look at them and you're like, wow, these guys are like you know I don't know if I can follow them. You know they're doing that good. Yeah, Mark Norman's special was really great. 
Yeah, so that that gives me like I'm like you know it's cool, and whoever's watching this stuff, I guess you know let's hope that they'll come see us because that's really what it is. You sure. Know? Do you uh, do you still cassette tape record this? No, I wish I I wish I did that. I totally yeah I love that cassette recorder. I remember that shit, man. Is to throw it against the wall all the time. And you, I should go back to that now. I think. Because that would creep out the crowd. I could Absolutely. talk about that for like thirty minutes. You have thirty minutes on that easily. <laughs> it's a cassette recorder. Relax, everyone. No he one's going to die. Do something that I don't think. I don't know if you do this. Like when I did the like a weekend Thursday through Saturday or Sunday, a different joke. Even when it was working, you try a different joke on the same setup, and I was like, what are you "Fucking." It's called like, self destruction. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> you had it's called you, implosion. You had a bit about killing a man with a hammer when I was when I first started and you must have every time I saw you you worked it a different way the hard thing about killing a man with a hammer is uh, sneaking up behind him <laughs> like it was like you'd always had a different one and I was like yeah. any of those I would have just taken that's my my problem yeah. with my stand up is that I'm very lazy and that I don't do what Richard Jenny says where I the bit's not done I'm gonna keep working at every angle yeah, but you know, don't you feel that like the audience themselves, like they don't particularly want like a lot of bits. They just want to get to know you, and then they want to have a f- now now a good want- time with you, right? Now well, I, it's so funny. I feel like when 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 we worked in Miami, I remember it was insane, and I, know I think it was a little unenjoyable for you because it was it was all insomniac fans, yeah, girls were rushing the stage. You I, that. I remember girl rush the stage and then you know here's the beauty of it is that like the drinking crowd which is all of our crowds the drinking crowd is that like I, I consider my crowd now like they're almost too old to be that drunk but they're still good drinkers you yeah. know whereas you guys have the full tilt oh you know like these guys are like in their you know the, these people are like well, in for their 20s him, they go out for like they're like this is our blackout night yeah parade. but you know that's the thing of it is like uh you know you have to kind of lead the parade you know the, well, i think I'm, I'm also a little more lowbrow than you so i think i enjoy the <laughs> I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy the uh do you dye your beard no i don't dye my beard Perfect. It is really pretty. It's uh, a nice beard. But I like they send shots to stage. I remember when we were in Miami, you were getting a shot, and I, you saw me drinking. You go, "Are you drinking real tequila?" And I was like, "Yeah." You're not. And you're like, "No, I'm drinking coffee." And I went, oh, "Yeah, no, I, I, yeah." I, I drank so many Jaeger shots that I usually would just uh, like I could almost feel my asshole going, um, you know, like <laughs> blinking for help. Like it was just too much. Yes, and like at the end of the day, like you know, uh, the drinking and all that kind of stuff, like. I miss smoking on stage more than ever drinking on stage, yeah. but uh, it's weird how like it's weird how like you know like people see you on a TV show and then they come down and they want it to be just like that. And I'm like, you know, when I was a little kid, I always wanted to meet Spider Man, but like even if I met him, I wouldn't expect him to like you know swing around or anything like yeah. that. You know, so I don't know what to tell you. But, I mean, like, dude, I feel for you in a way, but I guess hey, you know, if you're into it, then that's that's awesome. Well, I'm into it, but I don't. The, the other thing is, I don't really drink on stage. I bring a Tito's and soda with me, yeah, but I don't drink it. I, like I'll, and if I'm doing version of I don't really do it, I yeah, bring well, it on but stage. it's not. I'm not hammered like on stage, and it's a spectacle. Like there were there were comics when I started whose bit were that they were drunk, but they yeah. weren't really drunk. Like I'm, like Foster Brooks. No, I forget the one guy. Who <laughs> like, just would, yeah, like there was. A, I remember there was a guy from Boston who pretended to be drunk on stage. Oh, um, the Boston guys are the whole other world of comedy. I mean, like those yeah. guys, like monster headliners, and you know they party. They they would make your party almost look like you're, uh, uh, you know, nothing. They were really those guys, like full tilt coke and booze and just like nonstop and and uh, you know they they. For a while there, I'd say like ten good years, they really did like rule, rule like 
New England. No one could follow him. No one could touch and him. And you guys would all go up there for your first yeah, time in Boston. We'd get our ass beat. Everyone, I remember, I remember hearing people share stories one time. I think it was uh, Colin Quinn. Oh. I have the same story. I mean, Nick's in Boston. I, I remember doing it there where it wasn't Colin's story, which is a great story. But it, my, my story was just like, you know, like, I, I really don't know how this is going to end. Like, I know I'm going to probably have to fight somebody. Like, I like that's like the best thing that could happen, that somebody's going to throw a punch at me. Yeah. But other than that, it was almost like, you see these town halls now? Yeah. It was kind of like that, but with jokes. <laughs> People standing up, questioning, <laughs> passionately screaming at you. And would you do like 20-minute sets or longer Like when you did the book? Well, I had a headline. Oh, you were headlining those Yeah, shows. but they loved throwing like New York guys a beating because yeah. they were so much better than us. Yeah. All of them. Nick DiPaolo, who's another guy. like <clears throat> Talk about like one of the best guys who – super funny, super dark, good-looking guy. Like uh, he – he was what I considered like a headliner before any of us were headliners. And whenever I would watch him on stage and how like, you know, all that Boston training of like just hardcore, like, you know, I, I am the I am I am the comic and you people are going to like listen to it, whether you like it or not. That was like impressive to watch, you know, because yeah. he was like a real, real headliner, you know. So he for was, a guy who was like, you know, the same group of people as me. Can you tell immediately uh, like if you're going to like a comic like. So, like I think when I, when you're younger, it's very easier. Like, oh my god, this is a guy that I'm going to enjoy. Like, and Nick DiPaolo was one of those guys. He had a joke. Uh, uh, all these people say they never said the N word. Huh, apparently, they've never put a dime on a pro NBA a game. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I fucked his joke up, but it was an old one. But t- can you like, were there guys that you saw and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, this is gonna be my new favorite comic? I had a ton of favorites, but the people that I kind of looked up to would be like Colin Quinn, Alan Havey. These were the guys who were already doing it a long time, and they kind of showed me, like, just from watching them. Because I watched a lot of comedy, you know, at the back of the comedy cell. It wasn't like it is now. It wasn't like this almost, like, international uh, house of comedy where, like, people from Norway come there. And, like, you know, uh, know, thanks to Louie and a lot of the comics who work there, it's, like, a big deal, you know. And uh, these tours come in, they want to see these people, and they also... um, you know, it made comedy like almost like rock star kind of status. But back then, half full, you would hang out at the end and they throw you on if there was still some audience. And uh, that was like another thing that I think kind of branded me, which is the late night comic. And, uh, you know, like you're on at the end. The, the audience is basically spent. And like, you know, all these years I was like, I'm a late night comic. And then I would hear that like Sam Kinison was. But I'm sure his late night comedy scene was way different. Like with Sam Kinison, we've all heard these stories where it's like the comedy store yeah. You know, two in the morning, yeah. you know, strippers, uh, like just like people like circus, crew. circus people. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. the entire, you know, whatever they would like almost like the rainbow room would move down the Sunset Strip into the comedy store. And it'd be like this wild, almost like circus event. Like that wasn't how it was late night in New York, you yeah. know. But to this day, like uh, I'm, I'm more like um, connected to like the guys who close like, uh, you know, Jay Okerson, who's a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Like uh, when I watch him close, it reminds me a lot of like, you know, back in the day where like, you know, you're the last guy and you have to like, you know, every they've heard everything. They're exhausted. They're drunk. And now you have to do it. And I love how he does it. You know, yeah. he's great at it. He's a master. And that's kind of the comedy that um, that I I'm glad I did it. But like it, in today's world of, of comedy, like it kind of seems like in the alt world, you know, I don't want to put down a scene or anything, but like. Everybody comes up there, they're kind of low-key, low energy. It's almost like, it's always like the last spot of the night where it's like, like, did I get here too late? Was there like some kind of wild event? Yeah. And it's like, everybody's like, just like really low-key, like, like it's almost like the calm down after a cycle class. Like, yeah. you know, okay, everybody just 
we just like pedal. We're not yeah. really going to go crazy. Do you ever get on those alt shows? Like, do they? Do you ever... I've done a few of them, but yeah. I have to say that like um, I have no desire or connection to that group. Yeah. Like even back in the day when that started the uh, the Largo and Fez group, I was always in the club world. Yeah. But I see now that like they probably uh, were doing the right thing because a lot of them really went. From like they were able to take what they did and like people saw it and turned it into movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So you know I've no I've no uh, I I understand what they do and I understand what we do and uh, I think that we used to get a lot of I guess you could say like blowback on sure. it where it's like you know you guys are just like hack club comics right, whereas right. at the end of the day like you know you want someone to be strong you know because you know where you have to play like i'm not sure if you can take an alt act and bring it out to like omaha nebraska or wichita kansas I it goes but i mean i i feel like it's i mean i used to feel like when i did alt spots what i would do is uh just try to look like i was just thinking about the something stuff. else yeah like, I mean, like, uh, and i try to stammer through it i'd be like you know like i almost like i'm stuttering through the beginning of right it, and then it would work because it felt more authentic in the moment mm-hmm. uh, but I also felt like it was clear when club guys would do these even if you felt like that guy's not of this tribe that the audience just would, would still be like this is good comedy sure and, and it, that it wouldn't necessarily go the other way that like the super all even though some of them definitely could play not all of them could play in the club you know? well that's another thing like when you talk about like towns like Chicago Back in the day of the zanies, you know, like, yeah. uh, and I'm sure you guys love Chicago. It's a great drinking town, great, town. great food, yeah. you know. The audiences there are pretty cool, but there always was that, like, um, you know, person in the crowd who was like, uh, I'm an improv instructor or, like, you know, I run a, uh, you know, some kind of theater yeah. somewhere. And you could always tell, like, that look of disdain for your, you know, midget and dick jokes, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. I was always like, you know, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> I think the one, the one difference, I remember saying this and getting in trouble. I said a long time ago about an alt comic. But I said, well, I think I do comedy to make strangers laugh. I think, <laughs> I think they do comedy to make people they know laugh. Yeah. And I go, I can definitely make people I know laugh. But that's that's the same as if a comic's playing to the back of the room, right? It's like I, I, I always played, tried to have a good set to the people that bought the tickets. Mm-hmm. But I, but I also think that that was New York. Like I think that had. I don't think New York is particularly. I think it's. I've had more fun on the road than I've had in New York in terms of political correctness oh yeah and that uh new york is a pc town Definitely. you know there's a lot of pc towns and and that um when we talk about alt just to go back is that that's there's really no alt anymore that is comedy that is really what comedy is now and that um you know when you think about like all the you know trigger words and you know um shaming and all that kind of stuff oh, and yeah. racism all that stuff is kind of like you know, like 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 when I listen to my old tapes, talk about like the old tapes. It's like listening to a Hitler speech. Yeah. I mean, and the crowd, like this feral wild crowd, just like cheering me on yeah. and laughing. And like I could throw that up on the History Channel. I'll be like, you know, uh, you know, hate, hate was uh, was alive. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, you've, I felt it changed so much. In it it has years. changed. Yeah, in ten years, it's been and and, and and I'm going to say it too. It's going to say it's changed, but the audience has never been angrier. Yeah. And more opinionated yeah. and more entitled and more, you know, they come in there with their own agenda. And, uh, you know, the fact that, like, they think they're, they're, uh, they're, whatchamacallit, uh, they're expecting something they can click and like instead of just sitting there and, like, yeah. having a good time. Yeah. It's annoying for the comic. And it totally. holds comedy back. I it definitely so does. I second, triple, th- three times. I, 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 when you talk about, like, writing a joke again in my head now, I'm writing it, like, three times before I say it. Because I'm yeah. like, okay, 
Let's look at the crowd here. Okay, this guy's got cornrows. He's yeah. white. I better not say that. Yeah. And this guy over here, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. I think he's got an EpiPen on him, so I better not talk about that. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's like it's like it, it, it's almost like you know, like when you look at dice, like back in the day, you yeah. know how like he would just come in here and just basically, yeah. you know, just fucking like boom, like yeah. a grenade. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I miss those times, but. At the end of the do day, you, I think there's better comics now. Do you, you know? want to uh, like? Do you still? Because I, I obviously have been doing it far less than you. But how long have you been doing it? Fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I feel the grind of it. And yeah, absolutely. You, are you like fucking a man? Like this? I, I I mean, like these are like the good, you know, like the oasis in the desert where you get yeah. to hang with people and like you know come to L.A. You know, see the people who moved out here, but. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man. I I, I do think that like uh, the road is its own, um, it's like its own world, and that eventually, you know, you want to get off the road right before people stop coming to see you. Otherwise, it's sad, yeah. you know. But yeah. definitely, you guys are young. You have so many different opportunities, and no, you know. I mean, it's, I, I, I look. It's great. I'm not trying to. I like, mean, I'm seeing go into real estate. Yeah, I love uh, house it. flip on the road would be sure. good. I just no, no. I, I, I that's a really good question of the grind of the road of like yeah. uh, you know people don't really see it as a grind, but it is. Do it really wanna, is. Do you like doing? You well, it's so different floor. now. I mean, like you guys don't have to get up for morning radio, do you? You have your own. Depends. depends yeah. I, I still will. Yeah. Uh, you, you, Tom is does less of that. But I still will only because I I was doing the road when morning radio was was yeah tickets. and you're good on radio and, yeah and so I knew a lot of those people I've known them for now 15 years yeah so like I go well if I'm going to Tampa I'm definitely doing Cowhead if right. I'm doing at every morning radio show like used to be the way that you sold out yeah the show like you would do a day of radio, radio and then you do the set and you'd be you know wasted the whole time or whatever yeah. you know coming off a hard drunk and then you would do the radio and now now nowadays it's almost like the club doesn't even know what radio stations are in that town, you know. No. And you're like, okay, and I'm cool with that because who wants to get up for morning radio? But uh, or the good morning, the good morning, you know, TV yeah, TV. Show. Like that was another thing that like I stopped doing that years ago because I was like, there's nothing I can say that I can say on this thing, and they always ask me the same dumb questions. So know that Atel fans are not watching. Well, I have a heavy-duty soccer mom uh, fan. <laughs> the afternoon drive uh, people. No, that's true. They, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I was always thinking like it would be cool if like back in the day we saw like the Who. Yeah. Like they had to do Good Morning Radio. Know. You know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you guys are what? Who are you guys? We're the Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Radio. I, now when I do radio, a lot of times they have booze in there waiting for me. Really which makes it a lot more. Uh, it's easier. easier. Yeah. Oh, well, they know what's going a, on. Have a couple, yeah. couple cocktails, like because. Tito's has been uh, very aggressive at reaching out and doing wow, stuff for me. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's. So I funny. tried to get sponsored by Jaeger a long time ago, and like the Jaeger people would come up to me, like the the reps, and go yeah. like, "You should like, do our you know Jaeger Fest and all kinds of." And then at the end of the day, they didn't want me to do it, and I was like, "That sucks, man," because I really felt like I was drinking like thirty percent of the Jaeger sales in the United States. I mean, especially after that special too. That must yeah, have, it was crazy. And now, now, now it's like I could I. The whole idea of like uh, that's like another thing in comedy where you have to have like this like uh, um, business, uh, uh, whatever business plan to it. You know yeah. that that's something that I have trouble with. You know. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, cool if you can get sponsored by. Well, it's, I, well, I just drink a lot of it. I drank it on Rogan's. I drank it to. Lo- I lost forty pounds drinking it. Really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit and blood at airport uh, yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was very hungover with Stanhope, yeah. and he made me a smoothie. And then I'm, I don't feel good the whole ride to the airport. I feel like shit. We don't speak. He doesn't smoke. It's just drive to the airport to get on the fucking plane. Mm-hmm. We get through security. I go take a shit, and it is 
red. And I'm yeah. like, motherfucker. Yeah. And I go, uh, please tell me there were beets in that smoothie. <laughs> and Stanhope starts laughing. He goes, you just thought you were shitting blood? I was like, it's just a very long way, rough way to end the weekend. But, uh, but yeah, there's... Uh, when know. I was shitting blood, I remember I ate like a lot of McDonald's that day. And so like for the first... 48 hours I convinced myself that it was the chicken fingers yeah so I was like I'm not gonna eat that again that's horrible it wasn't the fucking gallons of booze that I drank <laughs> I was doing a little hotel medicine as they call it it's like let's see I wonder what, I, what did I eat that was red mm. I think I had an apple two weeks ago and that probably just came out now but dude, uh, you know the other cool thing about comedy that like I don't really take advantage of is that you can really travel the world doing it now. So yeah, no, I know it's cool. hard with a family and everything. Yeah. But um, you know, We're like both doing tours in Australia. Yeah, yeah I've fall. never done that. Like Are they've asked me a bunch me? of times. Oh, that you should totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sent me already to like crazy. I mean, I've done South Africa. I've yeah, done I'm in South Africa, UK. I mean, I've done. I've you done do. Hong Kong, Singapore, Macau. Yeah, like you know, I always, I always want to do those things, but I'm like the flying now is like that's the thing. Yeah. That's the one thing that I think on the road people don't understand of like you know I know like they have the pre check and all that kind of stuff, but like yeah. it's obnoxious to spend your whole day at an airport. It's terrible. Like, and then when you put that together of like, okay, I fly 30 times a year or yeah. 40 times a year, then you go like, and I've been doing this for, let's say I've been on the road 25 years. So you're like, okay, I've lost two years of my life to yeah. waiting to fly. Right. Not even the flying part, just do like you, the waiting. Do you like to now though, just pare down your weekend, just go like, I'm only going to do. Yeah. That's a good yeah. question where I have buddies who still go out from Tuesday to Sunday and they're like, I never yeah. sell out. I'm like, I'm like, exactly. Cause you're there fucking, you know, yeah. the whole week. Yeah. If you were there like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, then you might sell some of them out. Yeah. But the clubs too, like, you know. I think that there's definitely a love-hate relationship with comics in the clubs. I love the clubs, and I'll tell you why. Because they're really up against it now, all these theater shows, plus all the web. And uh, th- that's where you become a comic, is on is the road in yeah, a club. Yeah. And I always go, like, um, you know, when I hear these clubs, and I'm like, okay, so who's here? And it's always, like, some guy who was, like, you know, famous. He was on a TV show, and now he's doing comedy because he's waiting for a movie. And I'm like, yeah. well, that sucks. That fucking takes a week from another guy who's been yeah. like working his way up from the bottom but what can they do they gotta sell tickets of they course. gotta pay their rent you know yeah and uh back in the day like you really didn't see much of that you know and uh you know i think it's only gonna get worse you know i think that i how, how similar i know you were at the tail end of the first comedy boom yeah but how similar no, at the, the com- end of it like like they were folding up the tables and chairs <laughs> really? like right at the end it was almost like that wall street at what year like 88 like 88 is when I really started doing it and you I started in uh, when I was on my 26th birthday I, I, that's when I said I, when I say I started I lived in New York and I was going to clubs sitting in the back of the room but on my 26th birthday I got a door work uh, d- job working the door handing out that flyer the Boston Comedy Club flyer right it barking at the at Boston well Boston Comedy Club is no more you know, know. that right well and I but you know what you know what they said uh, we were talking about doing a special and they said dream scenario just take money out of the idea what would you do I said no questions asked. I go back to Houston and I would rebuild the last stop inside that, that club. Yeah, that was great. Yep. Mark was another guy who was always so cool to me, the yeah. uh, manager of the uh, of the uh, club, and um, that club was great. That's where like 
I would play there. Hedberg would play there. Patrice would play there. And like that was a, that was like when you'd play that club, you're like, this is a full tilt fun weekend all the way around. Same thing like Austin before it became too crunchy and like yeah. artistic. That was another like fucking great, you know, like comedy scene, you know. But that that laugh stop, that was a great club. That was that amazing. Was, I, I learned how to headline once. there too. That I, really was my first headlining gig, and I asked. Uh, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Dane Cook, because I, I think he got sick and he couldn't do the weekend. And he just said, "Write every single one, every joke you have to do an hour. You got to write." Because that guy, I, I started doing it when Pete was there. Pete Pirelli, right after oh, right. Mark left, oh. I went over to the Improv, and so I just wrote every single joke down and then did them all. And I had only done thirty-five minutes, and I was like, "Motherfucker!" Yep. That happened to me for years on the road, where it's like. I hope I have enough time. I hope I have enough time. And then, then I would develop all these like little like I used to do that Amish having sex joke, you know, oh ye, <laughs> like that would get really long. Like I would Laugh, make that like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I'd make it like fifteen minutes because I was like, all right, how much more time do I need to do an hour here? You know. But I like those kind of like um, those kind of like you know, y- y- you know, it's it's like exciting. It's yeah. kind of like this weird excitement of like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch out right now. I got nothing left, and then like you'll come up with something just like out of the the uh, yeah. moment, you know. Whose whose voice did you like? I feel like both of us will admittedly say that. When Who we did, were... Whose voice did I steal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know I about said, that. I used to say, but Patrice and I were in Scotland, and I had a joke because I had been cut off on the plane, and then when the waitress went to cut me off, I put my finger on her lips and went shh. And Patrice was like, that's a joke. And I was like, cool. And so I retold it on stage in Scotland. And everyone's like, you sound like a fucking lunatic. Because it sounded too real. Uh-huh. And I sat in the back and I was like, I don't know how to do this. And Patrice was like, well, how do you think Attell would tell it? And I literally wrote it at, in your voice. You know what cops hate? When you touch their faces. But it <laughs> never worked as well as had you told it. Because yeah. it was so out of place in my act. And uh, But my whole bit was to get to the story. So... Uh, but who did you, who did you, whose voice did you replicate when you Well, were, you know, the sad part is that, like, because in New York at the time I started, there was only, like, maybe ten really good people, and the rest of them were, like, guys who I think, it was almost like uh, guys who were, like, because Seinfeld was, like, the, I guess you could say the uh, the pace car for everybody of, like, I'm going to do my act and someone will discover me and I'll have a sitcom about nothing. You know, like, everybody was yeah. thinking that. And um, there were definitely some people who were actor types, but... The real like comedy people that would move to New York and then kind of like would move out because it wasn't that great were like Bill Hicks was there for a few years. So I got to watch him work, you know, like a couple times. And I was like, damn it, I wish I had seen him like in another place for like longer because I'm like learning more watching him than yeah. I am watching anybody. But like, you know, the Richard Jenny and those guys, and I'd say like voice wise, is like Colin Quinn like really had a huge effect on me. And like for a while there, I was like, I was like, oh shit, I'm sounding like him too now because I just like loved it. I loved him, you know? And that happens, but then eventually you have to get into your own world. You I think know? that was yeah. what the road did for me. Yeah. Was, was you're, you're not, it's, you, there's no influence on you. It's just you doing you. I had, uh, uh, well, I had you tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what? I was in the green room, and he's smoking his cigarette. And I had I was doing one of the same topics. I was like, hey, can I tell my fucking hurricane joke? And he's like, you can tell your joke, but you can't do my cadence. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And then one time You guys I, are really like, like uh, the whatchamacallit, the girls who were stolen by Boko Haram. <laughs> There's, there's too much damage. You'll never be the same. Schubert. I, I fe- featured for Schubert once. 
Yeah. He's another guy who, like, I love watching. Oh, I love him. I love him. He's great. And he he's goes, a road comic. Yeah. He is a road Hardcore. comic. Yeah. Yes. He goes, uh, as soon as I got upset, he goes, you like to tell a lot? And <laughs> I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I can tell. Back like it was touching the wall and shit, like, like they would do. And he's like, he's like, you well, make it sound like it's my fault. I exist. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't, gi- I don't give a shit about that because people always come up to me and say that this guy sounds like this and that. But at this point, like you know, if I if it really bothered me, I would have an opener that does the same seven minutes and go yeah. like, okay, you do your seven minutes, and then at the end of it, you close with that. I'll be at the merch table, and you say this, yeah. like those guys. Like I don't want that. I want power guys ahead of me and people doing it dirty and edgy. I want to be able to see if I can follow it. But at this point now, I know I can't follow everybody. I just know it. Like I just can't. But I don't care because you- even though the crowd is there for me, like I I've, I've brought like Jay and all these guys on the road who are who are monsters. They're great and like Kurt and all these guys is like I, I love I love that they can blow a crowd away I just love it and I think that the audience appreciates it they do but I also like I also know how it is to like um be new in comedy and like unless you get in front of a real crowd it's all in your head about like hey I think I'm doing everything right and yeah. I've had like middles that go to me that go like well until this weekend I really thought I was uh, getting better and now I realize that like you know I got a lot of work to do and that's true too you know totally and I feel that way every other show where it's like man I really like I you know I bagged out I'm doing the crowd too much the jokes that I'm using aren't written you know like blah 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 and all that kind of stuff and then you know the next week you're like okay let's hope some of those problems are better, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my one problem I'm having with doing sets in the city is I go I see a lot of people at the store doing stuff that already works. And I, in LA, in right? LA, yeah, yeah, because they're like in that audition mode all the time, and I see that in New York now too, where people are afraid to take chances. Yeah, like we did a show the other night, and uh, some guy was like, "I was like, is that new?" And he's like, "No, it's all old. It's from my first hour." And I'm like, "Why would you?" I don't understand the purpose of that. Yeah. Like, I'm literally going up there trying to work on stuff. And I went, I think that's what comedy clubs in the city are for. There's only a handful. Like, Rogan's always working on new stuff. Yeah. Burr is... Bill is like... No, he, nobody nobody is like stronger than that guy. You and him he is are the, the two hardest I've laughed this, in this entire year. And I'll say the last five years. That, you and him both had me pissing myself. Like, Bill tears coming down my face. in bit. Yeah. Bill got Bill got I'd say five years better every time I would see him. Like yeah. I was like, wow, where did that come from? Oh, yeah. how did he learn how to do that? It does feel like so he really level. he really like got in the fast lane of becoming great really quick. Well, and, I think uh, he stepped out of that. I mean, not to speak about Bill, you know, because we all know him, but I I think he got out of that. I want to be an actor audition comic place and moved back to New York and started hanging out at the cellar more and focusing on stand up. Mm-hmm. Because I think you know he was in the I mean, he got discovered in a sitcom before I like like five months in, right? Well, whatever he's doing, like when he, we do the Patrice benefit, he has to close that out after like you know ten people like pretty much doing like their best stuff in a theater, and like you know you know nobody's better at that. I mean, like he gives them a full tilt show, and I like that. I like that he does that. Plus, he's got a huge heart to do that for what he does for Patrice's family. But you know, at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat in terms of like you know my act. Like uh, I'm, I'm kind of at the end of it, so it's like my jokes are derivative on stuff that I've done years ago. So it's like you know another dick joke, 
another a flying joke, another drinking joke. So, like, unless, unless uh, you know, I start either talking about politics or something like that, I really do feel that, like, see, when I was started, there were the political guys, like Lewis Black, yeah. and, like, you know, there was a couple of guys who were, like, really good. Now everybody seems to have to have to throw in on it, but I'm all about throwing in on it as long as everything, every joke I say is funny, but not just be- passionate. You know, like, yeah. you know, whatever. Don't you feel like that every kind, like if you study, let's say, the all-time greats. Yeah. Carlin, uh, Pryor, talk about rock, whatever. All mm-hmm. these guys, that they're all derivative of themselves at a certain point. They all have topics that fascinate them. Right. And they're revisited. The jokes are new, but the worlds they visit are not totally different. Like, you know, Carlin loved language, religion. Uh, he, he definitely got more political, more, more um, political. But like Rock is going to do relationship stuff. He's going to do some race stuff. He's going to do some pop culture stuff. That's but gonna, I just gonna, work with Chris, and yeah. nobody's better at it than oh, him. I'm not I mean, like that. when I saw him, because I see him at the cellar working on material, and then when I got to work with him in Albany, and I got to see him do, you know, I couldn't say for the whole show, but I got to see him do what he does when he puts it together. I was like, wow, this is really, you know, this is an event. This is worth every cent. And, you know, he doesn't tour like we all do. He tours every couple of years or whatever. It's like, it's really cool to see when he, I guess, pulls, pulls, pulls out the whole, like, you know, the whole, like basically the whole band shows up. So I would say that the derivative thing is, 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 um, is, Maybe that's the wrong word for it, but it's true that we all kind of like have our themes. Themes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, the crowd also wants to see that. Like with Gaffigan and food, they you know, people, yeah. I'm like, you know, those are some monster food jokes. They're yeah. great ju- jokes. And like when I would come up with a food joke and I would check with him and I was like, oh, okay, yours is way better. You know, yeah. I'm not even going to try it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like the crowd, you know, like almost like, you know, they expect it. Sure. And you want to give them that, but you also want to like, you know, I know Jim is a really good good joke writer so it's like he has plenty of stuff you know and what gets me about like uh when you do the showcases and stuff like that like you want to get laughs everybody doesn't want to bomb but like there is an art to bombing and there is also like stuff to be learned in the bomb you know yeah and i learned that years ago that like even though i'm bombing right now i am learning something like i'll uh you know i might lose this battle but the next one i will be stronger and i and i do think that you don't see that as much nowadays you know you in spots in town uh, in LA, yeah, yeah, yeah I was at the uh, I was at the store last night, and um, you know the cool thing about like the store is that it's as close to New York comedy as possible. Mm-hmm. And Adam and Paige, who runs the Improv, like they really are hardcore comedy fans. So yeah. you know they want they want the comics to excel and for it to be a good hang and all that. But we still need the audience to come in. You know that's yeah. really what it is. So people got to come down. And they got to like you know let it go. I think the audience is really the one now that has to catch up to comedy. I mean, they're all about, like, the famous names, but now it's like, let's get back to, like, you know, the showcase where you come down and you go, like, you know, this is going to be like when I go see bands, you know, yeah. like, one's going to be cool, the other one's going to be like, you know, what the fuck was that, yeah. and then the next guy's going to, like, close it out, and it's going to be, like, a night of drinking and, like, you know, uh, a fun time, yeah. and I don't see that anymore. I see everybody has their favorite comic, yeah. and they go, I'm going to go see that guy, and because I know him, I know everything about comedy, and they don't. Right. There's a lot of different types of comedy. That's true. Yeah, it is kind of amazing that people would come in to see Burr, and then Joey Diaz would go up, and they'd be like, wait, who's this? And I go, yeah. wait, how do you know Bill Burr and not know Joey Diaz? Like, yeah. how right. do you, like that's In my head, I go, someone said to me the other day, I think it was Bill, he goes, uh, I think you forget how much comedy we watch. He's like, we're, we're at comedy clubs every night. And he goes, right. A lot of these people go once a year. Yeah. 
No, well, I, I, I have fans who go to see a lot of different people, like, you know, Stanhope. Like, if they say Stanhope to me, then I know they're a comedy fan. Yeah. If they say, uh, like, you know, my, my buddies, like, Artie Lang and these guys, like, then I know that they know, like, comedy. And um, <clears throat> it's funny because we're older and we have stories to tell, but the young stories are, like, so accessible to this generation of, like, you know, you know, talking about, like, a computer problem or whatever, whatever their emotional problems are and, like, what they think is happening with them. But, like, the old stories, you know, the, the, the road drug, you know, roadhouse stories, those are the ones that are, like, I'm like, yeah, this guy is a storyteller. But nowadays that's considered, like, you know, who is this roused about right. coming in here, like, ruining our buzz? Yeah. Um, what you got to get out of here? Yeah, I do. Be, uh, it's it's three thirty, so I think we should probably let you go. I'm heading to um, uh, I, I'm heading to do more shows, and uh, I hope to connect with your crowd on the road because you guys cool, always cool to me. And uh, you know, I I look at both of you. I'm very proud of how uh, you know you guys just like your monsters. You're great, and uh, you know keep you know keep keep going out there and um, save your stories from my memorial and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At the Applebee's what, what, downtown. What, what, what dates do you have coming up? I don't really know. I don't know. You can go to davidshall.com. I'll that's throw them up at the beginning that's cool. of the podcast. But uh, what I was going to say is next time you guys are in New York, come by the cellar, you know, and uh, let's let's all hang it out. You know, let's right, do man. it. And uh, if I don't see you in town, I hope to see you there. Awesome. So thank man. you. Well, hey, thanks for doing this, Dave. I oh, wait. I have one shout out to the uh, – I, I did this uh, I Am uh, Battle comic uh, movie which is like the USO tours yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, military family association that's for the kids of uh, military people who are deployed and overseas it's a camp for them so that's like one of the charities that I work with so if you guys are um, you know uh, usually the comedy crowd usually is super cool with the uh, military because they're the best crowd yeah non-stop and the uh, organization called uh, the military family association and these guys they really do take great care of these kids so that's something else that the uh, audience can think about Fuck yeah. There All you right. go. Well, uh, I, th- I think both of us can say that uh, this has been a blast, man. It's, Thank you. It's great hanging out I with you, Dave. I can't wait until your eulogy. It's going to be really special. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, are you guys going to podcast as I leave, or are you going to end it? <laughs> We're going to end it. Oh, end that's it. classy. Yeah, yeah, I hate yeah. like when one guy leaves, and then they yeah. go on for another hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to end it. Uh, it's kind of like a bad date. <laughs> uh, I will just say that, and Tom and I will say this to you, this is the last thing we're going to say, mm-hmm. is that your... Your stand-up, your sk- and speci- specifically Skanks for the Memories, is still shorthand dialogue in our house. Really? Like, oh, dude! It is not even the jokes; it's the, your throwaways. Like my wife still will say, "Did everyone get it? That's going to get it. Let's move on." Oh and wow! And I said to Georgia when she was in bed, she's sick. I said, "You, you know what Mom says? I want it to sound like a boot stuck in mud, only wetter." And she goes, "Yeah, what is that?" And I go, "The guy that wrote that's coming over." And Georgia goes. There's a guy that wrote that, and I went, yeah. We still, and we still don't say puppies; we say pu uppies. Yeah, from watching you do a set. Yeah. Some uh, of these jokes should have really been ringtones. I think I would have made more money and been out of this game by now. We still <laughs> say Haiti where it rains AIDS. And, uh... <laughs> All right, guys, let's not let's not ruin it for the uh, for the Pandora fan base. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. No, I guess. thank you, Ben. Well, that, that's something that we could talk about. Is like when I started listening to comedy, it was albums, and it was like yeah. that, and that was cool too. That you now with the special, where you have to lock in everything. Yeah. But I remember like listening to specials, and I just be like laying on my bed, you know, like oh, fucking having a great time. And now you got to kind of almost like lock in and like watch the whole. It's hard for the audience. It's hard to watch an hour. I agree. I think an hour is a lot of attention, it and it's really difficult. And I give every one of them credit for doing it. But like when you drive and you're listening those are the people 
those are the stories where it's like, dude, I was listening to your stuff, man. I was deployed, or you know, yeah. my you know, my dad was sick, and like we both listened to you in the hospital. It's like you're like, oh wow, I'm making a little bit of a difference sure. in this world, and that's because comedy is like such a uh, audio thing. You know, it's like your world you create. Sure. The, but when you're when you're doing the special, you know, it's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. it's, dude, we used to put Skanks for the Memories is in my car, and that's all I listen to, and I judge if I liked someone. If they did, if they, if they, like, if, yeah. and Leanne's dad got in, we just started dating. Her dad came out. Her dad is a very simple dude, Baptist, and Skanks for the Memories was in. And you said, uh, let's talk about Eskimos, or as I like to call them, snow Mexicans. And her dad was crying, laughing. And I was like, ah, okay, I might know this guy the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's my other uh, faith based audience. <laughs> the hardcore right. religious. We'll, let you, we'll get you out of here. Dude. Thanks, Thanks buddy. For doing Thanks, that. guys. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.